All right. Hello and welcome to Day One Patch Podcast, episode 463. I'm your host, Ryan Johnson. We got Tim Spence here. How are you doing, Tim? I'm here. I'm present. Looking fine on your 12-year-old camera. Whoa. Careful now. I'm a married man. <laughs> Matt, how you doing? Doing all right, yeah. <laughs> no, time, no compliment. Every time it's exactly the same. I'm doing all right, yeah. Matt, what am I supposed to say about your camera? You're four by three <laughs> and it's all dark and dingy. What am I supposed to say? Do you want to hear something really horrible? Is that this is actually a nice camera? You the four by, the four by three. The four by three is because I set it that way for another app. The other thing is, is I've never peeled off the protective cover. So it's all Why? like that bubbly, shitty plastic. Can you peel it off right now? Nah. You're not going to do it. Nah. So why'd you buy a nice camera if you're not even going to peel off the, the plastic? And I you don't did, know. Don't you have, you bought those lights, didn't you? Yep. You got to light it up, man. Never hooked them up. It's like nice. buying a Ferrari and driving it to the construction site every day. <laughs> it's like you fully intend to use it incorrectly. <laughs> yeah, just load that load that shit into the back of the Ferrari there, boys. Oh, God. She'll hold. She'll hold. She can take it. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Let's hop into the first uh, thing I do here. This is video game fun facts. This is brought to us by Game Informer. We're on number 18 of 25. And I quite enjoyed this one. So here we go. Number 18. Lengthy Smash Bros. fan fiction with 4,061,129 words spread across 220 chapters. A Smash Bros. fan fiction story called The Subspace Emissaries World's Conquest is one of the longest works of literature in the English language. Holy the, book is written, the book is written by someone named Christian who writes under the name Aura Chandler Chris. The longest published oh, novel... No. This is actual an actual published novel. Is uh, Jules Romains Men of Goodwill at two million seventy thousand words and eight thousand pages? Are you telling me that the Chris Chan has written the longest fan fiction and longest piece of literature known to man? Yeah. Oh no, I don't know who that is. So yeah, it's one of those things. that's better off not looking it up. However, aren't you curious? Like, don't you want to read this? I know none of us probably ever will or even get through with the damn thing. Four million words? But are you not curious to see what it's like? Yeah. No. No? Is there an audible? Is there an audible? Like, a, like, a, like, like an eight-part <laughs> eight like audible? Ten billion times hours? Yeah, you're going to have to, eh? I, so. could probably, I could probably listen to four million hours in Can my lifetime. Can we find this somewhere? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I've Wait, taking... four million hours? I don't think we were live for four million hours, right? No, probably not. No. I don't know, so four billion though. Yeah, it's nothing. What? Uh, I've been taken to fanfiction.net. Nice. When, when you're on a .net, it's always kind of an eyebrow raiser. Man, it's it? not even on AO3. Is this it? Can I read this? No, it's uh, copywritten. <laughs> Wait, but why is it? What is are it? You asking us if you know how to read English words? Yeah. <laughs> I, what the hell? I, wait, do I know how to read this? Huh? What? Wait, wait, but I only see like one page here. How do I? <laughs> oh my god! Oh, there's a there's a drop down menu. <laughs> wait, per per page? <clears throat> no, but it takes me to the next like section. What's the start of this called? Too long. No, no. Chapter one. Start of disc one. New game. 
That's what that's what chapter one is called. I like that. No, I don't like that actually. You liked it for a bit because I did too. So but so then, hang on though. So I have a question. So is this two different books? Only one of them is published, and the longest one is not published, and the other one is published. The Smash Bros. fan fiction is not published. It's just it's just on this fan uh fiction dot net thing. Okay. The other one is an actually published novel or set of novels. Okay. Holy crap. Yeah. So impressive. Um, it's one of those things where like at first thought, this is kind of strange, but I also kind of envy the dedication and passion this person has for Smash Bros. Like I will never feel that <laughs> amount of passion for anything. To write four million words, you know. There's Not a sentence I'll never, I'll never feel that level of passion for anything. <laughs> you wouldn't even write four million words about Star Wars? Oh God, no. Okay. Would you write anything for Star Wars? I, I think I may have. Well, yeah, that's the fate of a man who's written some Ala Secura fan fiction. Oh Lordy, um, we got him. I'm just, I'm just trying to remember. If any of oh, my yeah. school projects were... He's mentally flicking through all the Ala Secura stuff he's written. He's like, what? was there anything that wasn't Ala Secura? What, what can I smart? share on a podcast? Yeah. What's, yeah. what's allowed for a PG-13 audience here? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I don't think I wrote any fan fiction. I wrote a book report in grade 11 on a Star Wars novel. But that wasn't fan fiction. And Those that was pretty I, long I too, to. right? Star Wars books? or yeah. I mean, it depends on which one, but they're, they're like uh, hardcover. They're like 300, 400 pages. Not Holy sure. Christ. Yeah, that's pretty long, Ryan. That's not long. That's like a standard novel. Whew. 250, 300, something like that. Yeah, about 300 pages. I would say it's pretty typical. Yeah. It's too much for me. You also don't read, so. That's true, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's go to uh, next uh, or our, our one of two stories for this week. Uh, the Game Awards obviously happening in December, I believe, on the 7th. Uh, but the uh, nominees have officially been announced. Should we just start with Game of the Year? Should we just kick it off? I was going to say, work your way up. Work, go go down to the bottom. Go down to the bottom. And then list. like some of these categories we'll probably skip just because there's like a whole bunch of categories. Yeah. But... yeah. All right. We'll start with Best Adaptation. Celebrating game-inspired... Uh, I got this list from IGN, by the way. Um, celebrating game-inspired projects across entertainment, including TV, movies, comics, and more. Nominees are Castlevania Nocturne, Gran Turismo, The Last of Us, The Super Mario Bros. Movie, and Twisted Metal. This is one of those cases where I feel like there's not a lot of adaptations, and so they just have all of them in the They have all of them from this category. year, right? Because should Gran Turismo really be in this list? Yeah. You think? Yeah, I think so. For best I hear, adaptation? I, I hear that apparently it's pretty good. Really? And, and it would be a I don't know if this plays anything into it, but it would be challenging to like get a course and have people drive cars and it'd be a challenging movie to make. Yeah. Um is this an adaptation though? Because it's based on a true story, not the game. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I see. Oh no, yeah. Celebrating game-inspired projects. Well, that project, oh, okay. All right, that yeah. project in real life was inspired. Yep, good point, Matt. 
Uh, so who do you think is going to win? Because it's obviously Twisted Metal, but we can we can try other. I'm joking. Well, <laughs> I was not, actually going to say Twisted Metal. I was actually going to say like I think the most obvious choice is probably the Super Mario Bros. movie. I think that's oh. going to probably get it. Actually, actually, you might make another good point there. I I figured The Last of Us just because that kind of became a television phenomenon. I think that's more niche myself. Yeah, it, it it undoubtedly did not make a billion dollars, which which Super Mario did. So I still have not seen it yet. Nearby, I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of video game movies anymore after watching Assassin's Creed, though. So that was years ago. Was Tim there? Did you come with us, Tim? I've yeah, seen it. I, I, yeah, I don't know if I was there, but yeah, I've seen it. For some reason, I remember you being there. Maybe we were just talking about it. No, Tim was definitely there. I remember him and I making fun of the the leap of faith part. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, most anticipated game, recognizing an announced game that has demonstrably in- illustrated potential to push the gaming medium forward. Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, Hades Two, Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth, Star Wars Outlaws, and Tekken Eight. Now this kind of just seems like personal preference. I don't, you know. I was actually going to uh, ask you about the 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 description, I guess, of this category is that recognizing an unannounced game that has the demonstrated ability, illustrated potential to push the gaming medium forward does not necessarily align with the most anticipated game. Your most anticipated game could be Bejeweled 3. Right. So this is like almost saying what's a potential game of the year that you're looking forward to. Right. Even that, though, game of the year does not have to push the gaming medium forward. You could do everything that anyone else has done, put it all together in a game and just do it well. And you could get game of the year. OK, so your problem is just that it has this thing on there that says yeah, it has to push the medium forward. Yeah, because if 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 we're looking at that, it's like I don't think like a dragon is going to push the gaming medium forward, for example. It's or one of those in- interpretive things, though. You could, you could interpret that in, in many ways. You know, true. However, I do think this one is really just a personal preference thing, and it's just who wins the most votes, what's the most popular, right? For me, it's Star Wars Outlaws. Um, I don't know if you guys have different opinions. I mean, yeah, I have absolutely no interest in Star Wars Outlaws, so yeah, it would right. be d- different just yeah. based on that. I can see Star Wars Outlaws winning it because Star Wars has never had a game like it yet. And this is like a triple A, not like a fan inspired, fan made, you know, indie <laughs> game or something like that. <laughs> well, I mean, there's nothing wrong with stuff like that, but there is something to say about a huge studio coming in with a massive budget and doing it, <clears throat> doing like, you know, a high class job, hopefully, with all that money and power. So do you have a do you have a choice? Yeah, I think Star Wars Ola is going to win it myself. What, I would what, like what, like a dragon to win choice? it, though. Your personal like a choice dragon. Is like a dragon. Yeah. Yeah, my choice would be like a dragon. Yeah. However, I think I think Star Wars Outlaws has a chance, but I or I think I have the most likely chance. But I think Final Fantasy VII Rebirth could also sneak in there. That's been a long time coming. Yeah. And then who knows? Maybe we'll have an upset. Or not really an upset, but maybe Hades too. Who knows? We'll see. Hades, Hades, I think is like it's it's very popular, but I think it maybe has so many very loud fans online that it right. seems like it's more anticipated, larger 
than it actually is. Mm-hmm. It's not a very dedicated fan base, but I don't think it's like number of votes most anticipated. Right. All right, let's move on to best esports game. For the game that has delivered the best overall esports experience to players, inclusive of tournaments, community support, and content updates, irrespective of genre or platform. Counter-Strike 2, Dota 2, League of Legends, PUBG Mobile, and Valorant. Now, this is another weird thing that kind of only occurs with games, it seems. These are all, with with the exception of Counter-Strike 2, these are all old games. And, like, they get nominated, like, every year almost, you know. So it's like, do we really need this category? Counter-Strike 2, I think, is new as of this year, right? Yeah, but I'm just saying these other ones are just old. And they they sure they change and, and update. Like look at Fortnite. They're you know, it's not a no sound esports game, but the whole map changes and they add new modes and stuff, but but here it's just like I don't know, it's it's weird, it's, it's I'm surprised that e- it's like, that Fortnite is not considered esports. Maybe it is and it just didn't make the category, but Well, because there's no esports league, right? They had I don't know if they still do, but like just as soon as just as like soon as like they'd be last season, the season before they had that whole like Fortnite cup and they had like a whole section where you could see the upcoming dates and stuff like that. I don't know oh, how I mean, serious it was, though. Come to think about it. I don't know if PUBG Mobile or Valorant has the esports league, do they? Like, does PUBG Mobile PUBG Mobile really have a <laughs> esports team? I don't know. Well, esports is kind of in a weird spot right now, too, right? Yeah. Overwatch League just just died. I don't know. I, I think that Counter-Strike 2 is going to win it just because it's fresh myself. I just think it's weird. It's like having a category for best best sports game. Um, not, not talking in terms of video games, but like actual like NFL, NHL, NBA. What's the best sports game? You know, <laughs> every year it'd be the NHL, the NBA. Like, you know what I mean? I don't I don't get it. it you would get like a skewed vote, too, because some people would just not like basketball, for example. And then, yeah, they would just never vote for NBA, even if it was the most flushed out, like fleshed out game. Yeah, and uh, this is my problem too with having it open to the public, um, allowing like the public to have some say. I know it's not they they weight it in a certain direction, but um, it's like if you vote on this, it's, yeah, you're just choosing your your favorite, not the actual game that provides the best esports content. You know what I mean? Hmm. Anyway, this th- this category to me is very similar to that one. I don't know if there is. I don't even know if it's here, but it's like most improved mm-hmm. for the year, where they they kind of celebrate like how many update how the updates and stuff and such went. Yeah. This category is very similar to that. I would think it's almost like a subcategory to me. Well, apologies uh, to the esports fans, but I'm going to skip the rest of these esports categories. Oh, not you don't want the best esports coach? I don't know any of these people. I don't know any of them either. I don't know any of these esports athletes. I don't know these esports events. Oh, and I don't know these content creators. Am I just old? Am I old? I know who Cipher is, and I know who People Make Games is. Oh, there you go. Anyway, content creator of the year for a streamer or content creator who has made an important and positive impact on the community in 2021. 2021. 21. 21. Possibly a typo. I would hope so. More than likely (laughs) copied from last year. Maybe. Copied and pasted. Well, I'll vote Cypher because it's the main the person, person I recognize I out of the two. Yeah. 
Well, there's Iron Mouse, People Make Games, Quackity, Spring, and Cypher PK. I like I like the Quackity name. <laughs> Iron Mouse is is huge. I don't really know much about. Oh, it's one of those anime content. Things, right? Yeah, it's a uh, very what do you very call successful like VTuber. Yeah, yeah, VTuber. Yeah. Oh, was that when they had like the avatar? Yeah. Mm. Okay, cool. But like you know, creative stuff. People make games. Just checking them out. What is it? What is this, Matt? You you had some recognition with this, right? Wait, recognition for which? People make games. I I've literally recognized the name. That's as far. Oh, that's okay. as far as I know. That's what I mean by I've actually watched Cipher play Fortnite a lot in the back of the day. So I guess I'll vote Cipher, but like it's not a legitimate vote. Looks like uh, just kind of like um. I don't know. This is very bizarre. This YouTube channel. What people make games? Yeah, it's not. It's not normal. It's not. What, what does that mean? <laughs> it's not, not operating like other. I'm, YouTube... Okay, hang on. I'm looking this up. Like, what do you mean it's not normal? <laughs> Maybe they just don't have an about page or anything like that. Oh god, this computer is struggling, boys. Okay, I'm gonna do it on my phone. It can't open YouTube and and run two webcams. Two webcams. <laughs> Well, it's like streaming years in. This computer's old. It's streaming yep. years in. Also loading IGN.com. Not you got getting... one camera on your face, one on your feet. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> live streaming the Feet Finder right now. Nice. All right, people make games. Let's take a look at this. Yeah, I've I've seen this channel, but I've never like I don't I wouldn't recognize them or know their best piece of content or anything. Quackity. Twenty two years old. My God. Well, it's hilarious. I was telling, I was telling my girlfriend, like, she was talking about because she really likes football, like all the athletes and stuff. And I was like, oh, how, how, like, the athletes in sports as an outsider looking in, I, I find that they're getting older because, like, I don't know, medical care is getting better or whatever the other reasons, right? Maybe safety equipment is getting better or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but so you're getting, like, you know, some people that are near 40 or 40 years old that are still playing football, which is a very contact sport. But I was like, but then you have esports where it's like someone retires at age 23 or 24 to become yeah. a coach because they, <laughs> their, 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 like, actions per minute just drops a little bit. Yeah. All right, moving on to best multiplayer game uh, for outstanding online multiplayer gameplay and design, including co-op and massively multiplayer experiences, irrespective of game genre or platform. Baldur's Gate 3, Diablo 4, Party Animals, Street Fighter 6, and Super, Mar- Mar- Super Mario Bros. Wonder. Would, would this be the first Baldur's Gate 3 win? However, I don't know if it is the best multiplayer game. I agree with that. Yeah, there's a lot of problems with the split screen, right? Yeah, I will say for as as impressive a, a title as Baldur's Gate 3 is, the multiplayer is probably its weakest point. It is their, functional. Their... It's not outstanding. It's mm-hmm. not, you know, industry shattering levels of innovation for a multiplayer functionality, you know? That's the thing. You kind of just take over another character and it's just a standard co-op experience, you know? And oftentimes it, it's a bit janky. Like characters, you'll you'll talk to one character as like one of the players and then mm-hmm. another player will talk to them and, and then they're talking like you're meeting for the first time again and it's like, well, I was I was here for the previous conversation. Right. So it's it's a bit janky in that respect too. I don't know who's going to win this one actually. Like 
Diablo 4, it had a lot of good critical reception at launch. But and 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 from from people playing it, but then opinions kind of changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of dropped off. Uh, so I'm not sure what kind of chance they have there. Party animals never played, um, but that it's was good. like, um, isn't it similar to it's like Gang Beasts? Gang Beasts, yeah. That's an old game now, eh? That's oh, pretty old. I, I bought that game before it was even available on Steam. I bought it off their website, and they like email you a code for it, and then you wow. can redeem that code. Uh, or no. You downloaded, they sent you like a file, like they email you a file and you could download the exe. Jeez. So, I, yeah, I've really, I'd put my chips on Baldur's Gate 3, but I'm not, I'm not confident in that. It's your chips, but it wouldn't be your vote if you were yeah. for the game. <laughs> <laughs> Best sim strategy game. This is, um, this is what? A best this, strategy game played within the Sims 4 engine? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> best game focused on real-time or turn-based simulation or strategy gameplay, irrespective of a platform. Advanced Wars 1 plus reboot camp? Mm-hmm. What's the little quote? I don't know. Cities Skylines 2, Company of Heroes 3, Fire Emblem Engage, and Pikmin 4. Again, I have no reference for any of these, so I haven't played any of these. But Company Heroes Three and City Skylines Two, I know, or like I know those series anyway. Like Company Heroes, mm-hmm. I played for a long time since high school. Um, throughout all their expansions and stuff, haven't played Three yet. Uh, it was again one of those games that was received well, and then all of a sudden wasn't. Like I went to the store page, I don't know, months after it had come out, and it's all negative now, and I don't, you know, whatever. I don't know, really know why. Uh, City Skylines 2, though, I hear good things, haven't played it myself, but it looked really good from the trailers and the gameplay they showed. So I wouldn't be surprised if Cities wins this, although there is a really big, you know, Fire Emblem and Pikmin fan base. I've seen videos online of people playing City Skylines 2, but it looked like there was some of that similar jank that, like, the first game had that people would, like, mod out. Like, it seems like there's a lot of that stuff again where, like, things that you know, people weren't happy with or just the way that like the graphics worked in a particular setting or whatever, where they like, like the one that I always remember from when I was playing city skylines is when it was raining, all the roads had become like hyper reflective. And yep. then you were just looking at like white bars because all the roads were like supposed to be reflecting the light. Cause they were wet. <laughs> I remember that one. <laughs> I, I've played very few hours of city skylines, but one of the only mods I ever downloaded was the like remove road shininess when wet mod or whatever that's hilarious that there was a mod for that yeah that's so funny you know what's really unfortunate about city skylines is that well it's actually not unfortunate for them it's unfortunate that city skylines kind of came out in response to sim city failing the multiplayer one but sim city 4 is highly regarded and was in fact updated by ea so that it would run on new pcs so they know that SimCity 4, like to, to me, I mean, I'm definitely nostalgic for it, but SimCity 4 is like the quintessential city builder because you build an entire region. You can connect things by boat. You can connect things by, you know, whatever. One city can be the agricultural city. The other city can be the the dump. And then one city can pay <laughs> the other city to like take the garbage out. You can have one city produce all the power. You make the region. You And so I had this huge like highway network and all kinds of stuff. And it's like, that's gone. Like that does not exist in these new city games. EA should step back up again 
in response to City Skylines and Skylines Doom and like, nah, like we're the king of this and just make a modern SimCity 4. That would be awesome. Uh, next here, uh, best fighting game. For the best game designed primarily around head-to-head combat. God of Rock, never heard of it. Oh. Uh, Mortal Kombat 1. Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl 2. <laughs> Pocket Bravery and Street Fighter 6. Now, I brought up this this uh, category just because wasn't the first Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl horrible? I was going to say, I didn't realize there was a second one. Yeah, right. we we played the first one, right? We like played because it was free for like for like an, an evening because it was really stupid. But it was it was, I think it was a kids game. Like I'm not going to criticize. Oh, I think it was good enough for a kids game. It definitely know? felt like a kids game. Um, but apparently the second one is amazing. Which it's is amazing. Like, yeah. Okay, <laughs> that's a surprise to me. IGN gave it a nine out of ten. Holy uh, Jesus! On Steam, it has a 9 out of 10 rating. So, I don't I don't know. But <laughs> they must have really, like, turned it around somehow. But what was the, what was the other one we were playing? Because um, there was, like, a decent one with, like, had, like, Rick and Morty and Scooby-Doo and... Oh, that was the one that got shut down. The Warner Brothers one. Th- yeah. It got shut down? Or they just... It was in beta and... It was in beta, and then they said, okay, we're shutting down for X amount of time, and then we're going to come back out of early access. And we just haven't heard anything since. But what's stupid is people were paying for seasons and all that, and as far as I know, they were never told that the game was going to shut down. People thought it was going to, you know, stick around through early access, and now the sort of, I mean, the community conclusion that I saw on Reddit was that it's not going to survive, and I do agree with that, that it's either not going to come out ever, or it's going to come out, people are going to be like, man, remember this game that shut down, and then it's not going to stick around very long. It was pretty decent. It was I'm pretty not fun. the biggest, like, Smash Bros. type brawler kind of player, but it felt good. What was it called? Does anyone remember? Uh, can I just look up, like, was it WB? It was WB for sure, yeah. Oh, what did, something about uh, multiverses? Multiverses. Multiverses. Yep. Nice one, Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow. I only remember that because um, Marty originally sent me the trailer before we played or anything and said, like, you know, the multiverse is getting, like, out of hand. And that's why that stuck in my head for some reason. <laughs> All right. Moving on to best RPG for the best game designed with rich player character customization and progression, including massively multiplayer experiences. Baldur's Gate 3, Final Fantasy 16, Lies of P, Sea of Stars, and Starfield. Now, this is the only nomination for Starfield. That's crazy. Uh, it's almost like they released in the wrong year because they would, at the very, I don't think they'd sweep, but they would certainly get a lot more if it wasn't for Baldur's Gate and a lot of other bangers this year. You think so? I think so. Like, I definitely think like their lighting system is really good. Like the game, the game is okay. Like it's, it's good. It just has problems. Isn't that just indicative of like Bethesda games as a whole though? Like it's good, but it's, it's not like amazing industry changing. Like, is it just the only reason that people regard Oblivion and, and Morrowind and Skyrim as well as they have? Because there wasn't another big RPG experience that year. 
And so, of course, it's going to sweep because it was the only option. And so people are like, oh, it was so great, blah, blah, blah. And then people buy it because it won a bunch of awards. Mm. But then when it's faced up against something that's like a real passion project and something that is really very strong in the industry, in the genre, suddenly when you compare Bethesda to that, it's like, oh, wait, maybe they're not doing as great as we all kind of thought they were. Like, yeah. it's, it's been a meme for a very long time that Bethesda doesn't release finished games. They let the community do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, there, there is no other game out there. There's no other studio. There's no other series. There's no other game out there that has that reputation. It's like we've let Bethesda get away with their habits time and time again because people forgive the games because they were good enough experiences in the year that they came out. But when you just sit back and think critically about it and look at it objectively, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like we might have been a little too generous with Bethesda. I think Skyrim was pretty special. It's weird because I never got that into Skyrim. I played it, but not that into it. And I say this as somebody who has like 400 hours in Skyrim. <laughs> but that's 400 hours across I 12 think, years. And I already have almost double that in Baldur's Gate this year. I think I, I think with those games, their, their sum is, is greater than their parts. I think if you, yeah, if you were to critically look at everything about Fallout 3 or even Skyrim... You could find a bunch of problems with it, but just overall, there's something working about it. You know, I find Bethesda games, especially the more modern ones, I would say even from Morrowind, I would say Morrowind on are really the casual RPG enjoyers games like a Baldur's Gate to me is a more like traditional RPG. And it's not that I'm criticizing that. I almost feel like there's two categories a little bit. A little bit. I don't like I don't because it's with Baldur's Gate. It's very much like, oh, like pass a charisma check. Do literally do the dice roll, those type of things. And Morrowind had a little bit of that with not dice. But when you hit something physically, it would do a behind the scenes dice roll to see if you actually hit the thing. And then that slowly went toward physics. And that that was the case in Oblivion and then fall three and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um because I, I watched a video, I never finished it, it was something like eight hours long, but I watched a video like maybe two hours into it. And they had they they were describing the Bethesda formula as being the only Western RPG like it. And they made a pretty good case to the point where I did agree with it. I was like, they are correct. Like Bethesda games are uniquely Bethesda games. I will agree though that like letting them get away with like really broken stuff is not great. However, I don't really recall Skyrim ever being that broken or even Oblivion, well, really. It was, it was on PS3, for sure. Oh, yeah, I, Skyrim yeah. was a mess on PS3. That's I forgot about that, actually. Yeah. Uh, but I think Starfield is... I've, I've not finished it, but I've played a, quite a bit of it. I think it's a good first entry in a new IP. And I, I, I think a second game will, will do them good. I think the problem with starfield is that starfield relies on the procedural generation so you remember how like i don't remember if they did it in morrowind i don't think they did but in oblivion for sure they had procedural generation they tried to get it to work it was in the making of dvd and then they said 
hey, you know what? This looks this is looking janky. This isn't looking good. But what we'll do is we'll procedurally generate things and then we'll handcraft areas and then we'll make it feel good. Yeah. I would think, like, in my opinion, Starfield has too much of the procedural generation and it went back a bit. It's so that makes empty. it, it may, yeah, it makes it feel like it's unfinished, but it's not really buggy. But with that being said, like Baldur's Gate 3, even if you were to somehow take it out of the traditional RPG sort of label that I've given it and make it into somehow into like a Bethesda like RPG, Baldur's Gate 3 is much deeper mm-hmm. than a Bethesda game for sure. Much, much deeper. One of those problems where it's like, okay, they wanted to go for this, you know, that NASA punk aesthetic and like use, you know, almost real, real world science in informing their game but it just makes it for a boring game because yeah the real world (laughs) most planets are just empty rocks yeah you know exciting for people who want to study that stuff but if you're looking for an adventure game to to entertain yourself it's just not that engaging wandering around a planet scanning things is not fun yeah the the facade of the planet's goes away really quickly and the standouts are always the hand built things Mm -hmm. and as far as i know baldur's gate 3 is all hand built so you're Mm -hmm. getting like the quality i don't know if you want to call it quality it's like the depth or the attention to detail is probably it the attention to detail throughout whereas bethesda sort of goes we have attention to detail in our you know our main cities in some telltale sort of legendary quests that people talk about and then the rest of the stuff is the Jural Mountains, <laughs> other shit like that, where it's just these kind of meaningless wanderings throughout the fields. Yeah. I really want you to play Starfield, Tim. I really want your opinion on Starfield because <laughs> it's it's so weird that I really want you to be like, what the, like I want I want to know whether you're going to love it or hate it because like it took <laughs> me a while, but I'm coming around. Yeah, I might do it after uh, after the new year. I might get into it, but um, the thing that really puts me off it, honestly, is like, and this is probably just because of like right off the back of playing so much Baldur's Gate, is the characters look so bad. Like I can't, yeah. I can't get over how bad the character models yeah, look. Do. And it's like, I get that again. It's like it's one of those things. I feel like people were just very forgiving with it because it's like, oh, it's Bethesda. They never do anything like super highly polished, and it's like. Yeah, but it's also 2023 and like the standard for games now is at a certain level and these characters are below that level. And like, I don't know, just like the the narrative of the <laughs> I we've said this on the show before, but like the the nothing I laughed like a belly laughed so hard when they did that Starfield showcase and they were like, and yes, you can romance your companion characters and get to know their personal stories. And it's just like the player character and I can't, I can't remember his name, but Sam the guy Co. standing on like a balcony, not looking at each other. They're like a couple of feet away from each other. They're both just staring off into the middle distance over this railing. And, and then Sam Co's like, I don't know if I've ever loved somebody as much as I oh. love you. <laughs> and it's just like completely out of context. I don't know anything about either of these characters. And it's just like, this is the emptiest shit I have mm-hmm. seen in a video game. Especially when compared to like, again, like Baldur's Gate having romanceable companions where it's very like Bioware, where you get to know these characters over a very long period of time. You get to find out their ticks and like what makes them, what gains their approval, what loses their approval, what things they'll comment on. 
um, is this more of like a slow burn character and then there's a big like emotional payoff at the end of the story or is it they're very intense they're very upfront you fly into things with them and then you know things kind of slow burn for the rest of their story like man that was um that was Bioware's bread and butter was their their characters mm -hmm. uh, and and I think Baldur's Gate really you know did a bang up job with that I feel like those Bioware games were a big characters. inspiration to uh, the way that Larian did those yeah. Companions. So I think I think uh, we just kind of answered it there that uh, Baldur's Gate three will win this best RPG category. Probably. Yeah. I hear Lies I, of P is, is Angela, interesting, but like is like broke is like broken or something. Like it's very much it feels like Gen one or something like that. Mm. I watched a pretty in depth review of Lies of P from the perspective of somebody who plays a lot of Souls like games. Um. Iron Pineapple on YouTube, if you're not familiar with, he's he does a bang-up job comparing lots of uh, Souls-like games. And his review was very favorable. Like, he was a big fan of it, um, but there were certain things that he wished that they had, like, leaned into their own mechanics more. Like, there's a functionality where, when you're wielding weapons, what, every weapon is effectively two parts. There's, like, a handle and a blade. And your move set is dictated by the handle that you're using and then the speed of the weapon the attack the, like you know a lot of the other sort of um, metrics for the weapon are dictated by the blade and when i say blade it's like air quotes it's very loose because it could be like a hammerhead or it could be a, an electric pole or it could be a dagger or it could be a long sword or whatever right um but uh, so it's like it looks very silly to be using like a dagger handle that's got like a warhammer head on it. And you're doing like these like fencing type stabbing moves <laughs> with like a hammer. And that's just goofy. Like, that's fun. That's cool that the devs let you do that. But the problem with the system is that in the same way that like weapons in the actual like FromSoft uh, games will have like scaling off of certain stats and stuff, the scaling... I'm pretty sure is based off of like the handle and there are just like objectively the best choices to go with for stats for each handle. And I don't think you can change that. So it really takes this very cool, highly customizable weapon system with like, that's got nuance to it with changing like attack speed and, and attack patterns and combos and, and length of your weapon for like reach and all this stuff. And it really boils it down to really like two options for each handle, like realistically based off of being like viable weapons, which is a big shame because it's like the central mechanic of the game is your weapons and attacking and, and stuff. And it has this really what could be a really deep, in-depth, very flavorful, like massive replayability system in your game that is really only viable like two ways for each handle. That sucks. Yeah. So I don't know if that's something that they'll address or have even already addressed. Maybe. I don't know. But uh, that's what the state of the game was at launch. And it's something that's so like intrinsic to the game. I'm sure it, it hasn't changed, but it's maybe something that they fiddled with. All right. Next category here. Uh, best action adventure game for the best action adventure game combining combat with traversal and puzzle solving. Alan Wake 2, Marvel's Spider-Man 2, Resident Evil 4, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, and The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. 
this is kind of a tough category, actually. Mm-hmm. These are all great games in their own right, and I really think They're very it's gonna, different too. Yeah, I I personally think it's going to come down to um, Zelda, obviously, and Alan Wake too. Really, more than Spider Man? I think Spider Man's. A lot of people have kind of said this that it, it's too safe. It's too similar to the last two Spider Man games. Mm. Uh, it doesn't do a lot different. Um, so. It's a good game, but not maybe not deserving of best action adventure game. Sure. It's like that same dessert that you always get when you go to the restaurant or whatever. It's like <laughs> it's the safe choice. Yeah. It's Scoop good, ice cream, please. but it's more of the same. Yeah, it's it's vanilla ice cream. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's the default safe choice. Yeah. You know, it's good. You know, you're going to like you'll it. have a good time eating it. Yeah. You're going to have a good you're gonna, Ooh, man, is that <laughs> is that real vanilla? Ooh, yeah. but uh, it's nothing to write home about. <laughs> That's a shame. So Resident Evil Four, then maybe that got a lot of lot of people liked it. But I think again, just on the topic of like samey, I think that they could. There was a lot that they could have done different with Resident Evil Four, and just with like the new format, and they changed some things, but they didn't change enough but i the, on the on the flip side though there are a lot of people that would say re4 was already perfect like that right. you don't have to change anything that would be adriano adriano says that about, um, about remakes you may as well just go play the original i was gonna but, say just play the old uh, game then standards so, have changed though you know what you want in terms of visual fidelity or even gameplay itself has changed but mm-hmm. then but then that's a change though to no, me, but anyway. I'm saying that there's there's modern standards. Even people who loved old games not can't necessarily play them anymore because that you just don't feel like you're not in that vibe with how it played back then, you know. But it's not going to take you like a hundred hours to get there again. No, I'm just I'm just saying that remakes are nice, particularly particularly when they're done well. Like like we've we've had a lot of great remakes mm-hmm. uh, in gaming, uh, more so than you know movies when they remake certain franchises like uh, RoboCop or whatever that's usually worse but in this case a lot of these games seem to be an improvement on the uh, the originals yeah I, I meant more so to the people that say that the remake shouldn't change anything like to me then it's like then, then just there, don't then there is no reason yeah yeah then just don't do that then oddly mm-hmm. enough I just got a notification on my Apple Watch uh, that Dead Space is on sale <laughs> so that's funny this is like I think that's something that Matt and I talked about um, on a previous episode that uh, might be a little bit of a of a tangent. So feel free to rein us back in anytime, Ryan. But on the topic of like remakes, not like not necessarily being needed to be made. Um, it was the episode when we were talking about um, Metal Gear Solid uh, Delta. Is that what it's called? Um, where I saw an interesting thread on on Twitter where people were talking about how like there was a a particular specific vision for metal gear three like when when snake eater was coming out and they were looking they were comparing like doing side-by-side comparisons between delta and snake eater like the original snake Eater, and being like it it doesn't capture that same vibe like there was a very particular aesthetic in mind when they made snake eater that delta is just like not capturing it just kind of looks like a generic you know, we've modernized this for the modern age and it's got we got high resolution crabs and rivers that the water that looks like it makes more sense. And it's like, 
but you're actively like removing what makes three charming. Mm-hmm. And it's just for the sake of like appealing to a air quotes modern audience. And it's yeah. like, are they, is it, is it a bit tone deaf? Like it's almost like taking a, you see a painting in the Louvre and you're like, this is what they were trying to like, this is the, the what they were trying to communicate with this painting, but it's kind of old. So let's just like recreate it exactly with modern paints. And it's like, well, you're losing the intention of the original piece when you do it like that. Like you're, you're just recreating it to have a modern version of that painting. Whereas the original painting was meant to evoke something entirely. And you're just looking at the surface level of it. Yeah. I think when it comes to a, a, a game designer, like Kojima, he is definitely more of the artist auteur game creator sure, game yep. developer uh no offense to the people who made resident evil 4 but you know i'm sure any any competent remake team could remake that game and, and do a good job at it you know um but when you're trying to recreate something that was created with a vision i think it's very hard to do that i i've noticed that myself about delta it doesn't look like the game it doesn't look like snake eater to me Mm-hmm. Um, and that's it's one of my favorite games of all time, actually. And uh, even the the way they trailer it is like bizarre. There's no style to it at all. And that's know? something that like Metal Gear oozes. Yeah, is is style and a really strong sense of self, and yeah. and its own like brand. And it's so weird to see. It's just it just seems very soulless, mm-hmm. you know. Like it just seems. And I hate using like you know the same phrases that everybody's parrots over and over again <laughs> but it really does feel like a soulless cash grab yeah that it's just like oh look we're taking this game that we know people love and we're remaking it um but it's just like you say right it looks like any remake team could do it yeah i'm I'm sure that uh it's going to be good well not, i shouldn't say i'm sure it's going to be good i, I can imagine it being good but because like they're using the same dialogue uh the same like voice recordings I imagine the cutscenes are all going to be the same shots and stuff, but I think it's just going to miss that that Kojima like charm that that gets put onto his games and stuff. So I'm still going to buy it. I'll still play it. It's it's like I said, it's one of my favorite games. So I'm excited to kind of see how the remake turns out. That's exactly. You're probably the exact person they're trying to capture. Like, yeah. oh, we can make we can make a little money off a of snake eater real quick. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I just wish Kojima was still making. Uh, well, I, I like that he's going off doing new things, but I just I miss I miss um, I miss Snake really. Well, could you imagine like taking something like Death Stranding, making I don't know making it again years later? Like Kojima leaves his own company for some reason, retires even, and then you go, you know what? We're gonna you know completely revitalize Death Stranding, and then I I almost want to say that for like for sure they will get rid of when you know when you're walking as Sam over rocky terrain and you have like a big backpack or even when you don't have a big backpack and it's like a moderate sized backpack but you kind of you have to still watch your footing they're probably going to be like ah it's annoying let's just take that away and like that's part of the charm of you getting good at like walking across rapids and stuff used to be kind of scary then you get so good at the game where you're just like climbing mountains and the rapids mean absolutely nothing to you right it really becomes part of the um part of the traversal progression if you will and that's realistically probably part of the part of kojima's vision that they would get rid of that ah, yeah. you know it was annoying to hold both triggers you know why would you do that that's not a modern thing let's just let's just kill that 
And then it's like, well, I guess rapids are just never a problem. So I guess we're starting at step two of progression. You know, it just it, it cuts something out of it. There's I've noticed this happening quite a bit in games as they develop sequels out and then have more and more. They lose things that they lose small things that I think a lot of people enjoyed about the game in the first place. Um. Uh, for for example, well, I mean, this is might be particular for me, so I'm not about everyone, but like Fallout, obviously, you know, you had the VAT systems, and then you had dismemberment and stuff, and like limbs would blow off or heads would explode, and then Fallout seventy six comes out, and you just lose a lot of that stuff, you know, or or even taking taking armor off of uh off of dead bodies in in Fallout, and then the armor would disappear off their body. That doesn't happen in 76 and it doesn't happen in um, Starfield now. And it just like it's like it's a minor thing that probably no one actually cares about if you were to ask them. But I liked it. For some reason, I liked that. Well, it's and very it's, grounding, right? It's very yeah. it roots you. And it's like I literally took this person's armor off. Yeah. Yeah. And it just when it's, it's now gone in, in Starfield, even. So it's, it's funny like, you say that because that's something that I've noticed. That wasn't happening in Baldur's Gate. And I was like, oh, that's a shame. Like, it's pretty typical in an RPG that you loot the mm-hmm. armor off someone that they're wearing. Yeah. Or the other thing that happens typically in RPGs where a character is like outfit is like a recognizable armor set in the game. You're like, oh, they're wearing this. And then you loot them and they're not actually wearing that uh, armor yeah. set. Like, it's something mm-hmm. different. Yeah. yeah. And then if you loot that thing, they'll like, it, their armor still disappears, what they were wearing off their model, but it's not the armor that they were wearing. And you're like, that that's ebony armor. But that's not ebony armor. They're mm-hmm. they're using like you know some other thing. However, there are occasionally there are certain characters where when you loot the armor off them, the clothing does disappear. That's so weird. And it's like what what is the distinction here? Where like sometimes it goes off and sometimes it doesn't. Mm-hmm. That's really weird because the anyway. thing in a Bethesda game too is with that type of thing is you would want sometimes to go after that person for that armor. Hey, hang on. I need that, you know, like yeah. especially in a follow game, I need that right shoulder. That's iron. I haven't seen one yet. Holy fuck. Can you go after that specific Raider and like quite literally sometimes chase them down for it. Uh, Starfield for me, one of the things that I, I noticed was the um, uh, radiant AI is gone. So it's always the same shopkeeper. They're always at their post. They'll move around a little bit. But they're not, you know, going to the bar, going home, walking around, hanging out with friends, doing whatever the hell, the, you know, they do. There's just people that wander around and sort of have like fixed conversations. And it's one of the reasons why I, I why I dislike Ubisoft games to an extent is because the people like the area feels alive in the moment and it looks great for photo mode and it looks great as you run through it. But the one of the things I liked about Bethesda games was that everyone was named and I could talk to, you know, pretty well, everybody, even yeah. if it was only a really brief conversation, I could at least have a conversation with them. They had a name. And yes, some people were just wander the streets for, for filler. You know, that's the limitations of game development. Like fair enough. But in, in like Starfield, it was sort of like, Oh, we have crowds now, but the crowds are just of like mindless zombies that kind of wander around. And then the shopkeepers don't actually ever join those crowds. It's like, Oh, I mean- well the fuck. I get it because you know game development is is a expensive and and b time consuming and so you can't always put in a lot of detail. So maybe it's on the list on the on the whiteboard, you know, in the office, but you just can never get to it because of budget constraints or time constraints or whatever have you. Um, but it's like those little things are what I love sometimes about games. And Far Cry Two had a ton of detail that just was obliterated in in yep. Fallout, or, um, Far Cry Three ton of stuff just wasn't there from the other game 
and and it, and it made like a made for I know everyone loves Far, uh, Far Cry Three, but I, as on a technical level, I think it's far worse. Far Cry yeah, Three two, is definitely two is really impressive. Sorry, yeah. Two is really impressive. I, yeah. I never like played it myself, but watching people play it, I was like, this yeah. for the time, especially, it was mind blowing. The amount of like ways you could heal yourself because like, you would use like a med med like injector or something like that. But once you were out of that, it would switch to you doing some horrible things like you know. <laughs> Pushing a bullet oh, out of your, out yeah, of your forearm man, or yeah, taking matches and then like cauterizing a wound or something. Yeah, there was yeah. like a dozen different things you could do. And then later games, it's just like, oh, you just wrap it up. You know, it was like, that was <laughs> the it. Resident Evil, pour the liquid <laughs> all over your arm. And <laughs> yeah. Now my hand goes back on. Yeah. It just You lose some of that charm that makes you like a certain game in a certain way. So what's weird about Far Cry 2, especially is I feel like Far Cry went through an identity crisis where Far Cry, even in the earlier games, it was still arcadey. But in the earlier levels, it felt more realistic. It kind of felt, especially for the time, like you were creeping through the jungle, trying to be stealthy, optionally stealthy, usually creeping around and stuff. And then eventually you get powers and the game kind of becomes, you know, a little goofy, a little bit more arcadey and that type of thing. But then Far Cry 2 kind of went, in my opinion, toward the, oh, you know, there are no powers. You're trying to be, you know, it's realistic. This is a gritty world. It's, It's hard to survive. You're taking malaria pills and driving off cliffs and you're driving real jeeps though which was yeah, cool. driving jeeps yeah yeah real jeeps like licensed jeeps and stuff and and it's like oh man these guns break down and crap and it's hard to get guns and it's hard to make money and it's hard to ambush i remember one time i ambushed the thing with a rpg but i didn't i don't know shoot at the right angle and it bounced off of the truck that i hit and it came back at me and it fucking killed me yeah and it's yeah. like oh i guess i need a further range or like a better aim or whatever it's you like this is a gritty too. a gritty world but then far cry 3 comes along and it goes more arcadey, yeah. so, which is why I don't think it gets criticized. Like it, I know there's a community that loves Far Cry 2 for its realism and all the mechanics that was in it, but in a, in a more arcadey world like Far Cry 3, I don't know if there's room, if you will, for the realistic trees breaking and the fire spreading and stuff, because you no, wouldn't spend not. time doing that. This yeah. is a fast paced run around, shoot everything and, you know, yeah. get going game. But I mean, even in recent years, um, a lot of people liked in Far Cry Five having throwable weapons, throwing bats and two by fours into the air, or whatever. And okay. that, there was there was no, I don't think there's any throwable weapons in in Far Cry Six. All right, I never beat Far Cry Six actually. I barely remember it. Yeah, it's just saying weird things get left on the uh, the cutting room floor, I guess. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah. All right. Uh, this is kind of I guess similar category, but not really. Uh, best action game. Not action adventure, but action game. The best game in action genre focused primarily on combat. Armored Core 6, Fires of Rubicon. Dead Island 2, Ghost Runner 2, Hi-Fi Rush, and Remnant 2. Hmm. I'm going to go out of the limb and say Hi-Fi Rush. Yeah. Hi-Fi Rush is definitely the most interesting, Mm -hmm. I would say, conceptually. That was a really cool game. I need to get back to doing that. I was playing it on my steam deck but i was i was doing the like sort of hack where you stream game pass to the steam deck right and which was like hi-fi rush would be a great game on the steam deck but streaming it from like from a server it's a to rhythm the steam based deck, game when it's a rhythm based <laughs> game made it pretty difficult and i was like i had to put it down and i was like i'm gonna install this on my like my actual computer and i'm gonna play this and it's gonna be great and i never got around to doing that but it's not it's not on steam though you can't get it on steam i think it's exclusive let me see 
But um, even with that, though, with like sort of that marring the experience, it was still great. And I was like, as soon as I was playing it, I was like, this is the the one of the coolest games conceptually I've played in a long time. Like it's very yeah. different, but it's so intuitive and it's so fun. And it's just so again, it's just oozing style. Mm-hmm. It's very of itself and that like unapologetically, and it's it's great. So yeah, it is on Steam. It is, yep. But but I mean, if you have Game Pass, Ooh, then it's, it's like why why play it on Steam? Why buy it on Steam when you have it on Game Pass? It was the one time I was right when I was playing it. I was like, this is a Tim game. It was, it was the one time I was right about that. <laughs> yeah, you were you're 100 right. Yeah, no, it's it's so it's so good. This yeah. like the combat is so it's intuitive, but it's so like clever. It's mm-hmm. so well executed, and like that's the thing, right? Like it's a very high concept game, but they also executed it perfectly. Like it's so it's uh it's 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 really really good. It's really one of those things where the skill ceiling is very high. And oh. uh you can you can definitely like if you're the kind of player who really wants to like push a game me- like mechanic to its limit, it's it's the thing for you to like you can go like you can I want to run that one back. I could do that a little bit better. I could do it a little bit better. It's the same thing as like the kind of game like Hades for me. Like mm-hmm. it's it's one of those games where you could always have had just a little bit better of a run. All right. Uh, best community support. Recognizing a game for outstanding community support, transparency, and responsiveness, inclusive of social media activity and game updates slash patches. Baldur's Gate 3, Cyberpunk 2077, Phantom Liberty, Destiny 2, which seems kind of odd that that's on the list given what's happening, Final Fantasy 16, and No Man's Sky. How many times can No Man's Sky appear on a Game Awards? Big uh, fucking category? updates this year, though, man. Big Was updates. it really? Yeah. So I guess this is, if I recall correctly, they used to have a best ongoing game category. Maybe it's now best community support. No, there's a best ongoing still. I scrolled up. Did you? I just did that too. Oh, there yeah, is. Best ongoing starts with Apex, goes to Cyberpunk, etc. Because I guess, okay, I guess community support is, well, it says game updates and patches. I guess that's not expansions. Hmm. Anyway, this one, this one, I have no idea then for what would win this one. Uh, Baldur's Gate's out. I, I I think Baldur's Gate even being in here is nonsense, actually, to be honest. Um, really? Recognizing game for outstanding community support, transparency, responsiveness, inclusive. That's their whole, mm. that's their whole bag. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, I'm, maybe I'm applying the ongoing game stuff too much then to this yeah, category. No, I, it's, it's legitimate, I would say, in this because Baldur's Gate has been like, since day one, they... Like I mean, they're also probably counting early access too, which they were constantly like tweaking things off player feedback and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, which was it was really one of those one of those games where, um, uh, or or situations where like the the game today it would not be what it is today if it wasn't for player feedback at that time, right. kind of thing. Um, and they're they're constantly like there's a there's a bug right now that. With, uh, with one of the animations with like with uh, one of the companions where if you go to kiss them they're like th- the models are not synced up so they'll like kiss the air above your forehead and you're like kissing the air below their chin and it's all like <laughs> the animations messed up and in their recent hotfix that they just uploaded like this morning or yesterday they comment in the details of that hotfix like but well, by the way we know about this like character kiss animation issue we've had lots of people bring it up to us we're aware of it we're working on it it'll be in the next patch um it's just 
I mean, I, I, I don't want to be the guy that's just always like sipping for Larian and, and being like, balls, balls get to guess the best game ever made. But they, their level of communication and like transparency and just like, um, willingness to, to accept criticism from all sources. They're not, they're not like just disregarding people because they're like oh your your complaints aren't legitimate like we know better you know um and the, the constant just back and forth and uh, and yeah just just openness and transparency that they've had with their community through the whole development cycle of the early access but then also since launch has been pretty admirable i would say they feel like an indie studio but you know big multi-million dollar studio you know what i mean like they have that kind of grassroots kind of vibe going on they're yeah it's it's like um they have the they have the resources of a huge company but they still have the soul of a small company yeah yeah, yeah. they got a lot of good uh karma i guess going for them it might all come crashing down one day though who knows i was gonna <laughs> say knows? the next game is just gonna be a big old disaster just like cd project red yeah <laughs> possible so anyway i'm not sure who'd win this I, i'm guessing Baldur's gate 3 though that's where i'd uh put my pants a bit i feel like Destiny 2 is not going to win it just because of all the crap that's going on right now. Yeah, that that's an interesting one. And then maybe maybe Cyberpunk. I don't know. I've heard I've heard Phantom Liberty is really good. Like it yeah. really it completely changed Cyberpunk from like what it was even a year ago. So yeah, you you even have to like respec your whole character because they just don't work with their new system. Yeah, so they like when you log in, you have now. to completely put all your points back in. Well, yeah. here's here's the weird thing about the Cyberpunk points though is that you know how like. You have like the, I think it might be six skills or something like that. I don't know what they're called, skills or points or whatever, where it's like technical ability, strength, and those type of things. And then when you go into them, then you give yourself like abilities, like, oh, this gives you 10% more gun, like handgun damage or whatever. You don't reset those ones before the perks. So, like, if the inside ones are perks, the ones before it, the perk minuses, I don't know. Yeah, the attributes, whatever. If we're calling them attributes, like the attributes don't reset. And as far as I know, there is no way to reset them. So like I'm playing my first playthrough. I'm still going through it. And like I just made like a generalist character. Uh, a friend told me, oh, you should try this other character. I'm like, cool. So I go to like, I'm like, oh, I can respec. I respec. Can't like you can only respec the stuff that's in it. And even after the patch, apparently you can only respec the stuff that's in those. You can't respect those attribute points. Oh, wow. Okay. So you're just kind of like locked in, which is which is a weird decision. I don't know why that would be the case, unless there is a way to do it and, you know, people hadn't discovered it yet. But Well, you could also just start with a new character that's like level 50 or whatever. I can't remember what level max it was or whatever. You can just oh, start a new, new character and then just only play um, Phantom Liberty. Oh, Phantom. Yeah, okay. I, I think they even kind of recommended making a new character. Yeah, they they did. I I'm just that so far sucks, in the though. story that like I'm not gonna do that. Like I'm yeah, because I haven't completed it yet. But um, I will say this though is like the update 2.0, which because I didn't buy Phantom Liberty, I just have the update. Uh, update 2.0 made it run like amazingly on the Steam Deck, like fucking wildly well on the Steam Deck. Some of the some of the settings are set to ultra in the oh, Steam wow. Deck preset. Like it's fucking wild actually. And that's like an approved like Steam verified. Yep. Stamp. Yep. It's got the green check mark. All right, uh, best ongoing game. This is this is what we thought was similar to the other one. Uh, awarded to a game for outstanding development of ongoing content that evolves the player experience over time. Uh, this, so this is where you see a lot of the, the repeats as well. Apex Legends, Cyberpunk 2077, Final Fantasy 14, Fortnite, and Genshin Impact. 
Now, this one is just like, you know, toss a coin. I have no idea. I don't think Apex is going to get it. I feel like Apex just does like the standard updates, to, in my opinion, because I play Apex occasionally, maybe mm-hmm. a couple times a month. Final I don't Fantasy, think it's going to win this. Final Fantasy 14 can't like it became really hot during the pandemic for some reason. Uh, I'm not sure what have they been doing since, though. Has Fortnite been doing anything this year in particular that's been big? I know that Fortnite has done stuff that's big, but I don't. Well, their player base was dropping before this the OG update. With that though, I I would love to see the numbers because you know how they do like the the chapters and the seasons, and I think it's like each chapter changes the map drastically or completely mm-hmm. makes a new map. Yeah, I have a feeling that as the as the the map goes through seasons, which is iterative, small iter- small changes. Um, I feel like the player base would naturally draw. And then when the map gets flipped to something else, whether it's OG, like we see in this case, or it gets flipped to something else, I feel like the players are going to come back and then it'll, you know, people get bored again. Mm-hmm. Genshin Impact, I have no idea what's going on over there. I, I have played it for a bit. Um, kind of fell off though. Oh, can we call Cyberpunk 2077 an ongoing game if it's mostly an expansion that's come out with an update that was accompanying it? For yeah, the most part, like yeah. a bit of a stretch. I don't know, yeah. I guess yeah. it's certainly received a bunch of updates, but for the fact of fixes, not exactly for like what Fortnite does, for example. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, best performance awarded to an individual for voice over acting, motion, and or performance capture. Ben Starr from Final Fantasy 16. Cameron Monaghan. Uh, from Star Wars Jedi Survivor, Idris Elba from Cyberpunk 2077, Phantom Liberty, Melanie Liebert, Alan Wake 2, Neil Newbin, Baldur's Gate 3, Yuri Lowenthal, Marvel's Spider-Man 2. I have a question on this category for you guys. Hmm. Do you think that the actor's likeness being in the game affects this score? Hmm. Hmm. Because Idris Elba is all, is the voice, but Idris Elba is also in the game. It certainly just, would it help you a lot. Idris Elba, yeah. When your performance is with your face. <laughs> you know. the same same for Cameron Monaghan in Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Mm, okay. Yeah, as Count yeah. Kestis. It's just it's just him. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know, because Neil Newbon won the Golden Joystick Award for best performance for his performance as a Starian in Baldur's Gate oh, 3. He's gonna win then. Right. So I wonder if I think if yeah. I think that's, I think that's, 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 that's it. Yeah, going to weigh in on it. Um, I didn't realize he was a Starian, but yeah, he's he's one. <laughs> you could just <laughs> we can all go get Panzos right now. Okay. Wait, who lost the bet then? Uh, <laughs> no one did because we all got that great performance, <laughs> and we're all eating Panzos. So, I mean, we're all happy. We'll all buy it for each other. So it feels like we didn't buy our own. Feels like we got it for free because someone else bought the Panzo for us. Uh, I kind of wish they did best lead performance and best supporting. That's not bad. That's not I think, bad. I think that's what his award was for the Golden Joysticks was best supporting performance. Because yeah, he's not a lead. Well, I mean, who would be the lead? I guess because you're, you're the, the lead. Yeah, narrator maybe. <laughs> <Not> narrator. <laughs> it was really funny because she was also nominated for like best supporting role at the Golden Joysticks and she was also the one reading out the nominations so she had to oh. read out her own nomination it's hard to think about too like, Lazelle seems to Lazelle and, and, and Shadowheart seem to have 
more prominent roles. It's just because they're the ones that are introduced immediately, right? Yeah, but but, but Shadowheart has the, the thing. Yep. The uh artifact. Her, her giant uh, D20. Yep. And Lazelle is like she's just part of the Gith Yankee who have their own whole dealio going on and but it's also intrinsic to the main story as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Neil Newman. There you go. Congratulations. <laughs> don't <laughs> don't give yet. an 18-minute uh, uh, thank you speech, though. Oh, my God. Oh, Lord. They definitely need to play people off a lot. <laughs> that was, uh, man, I loved I loved so much how they cranked the music to try to get him off the stage, and he just starts speaking louder. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he just keeps going. This is one of those things, though. Me and my dad always get like angry at this. Um, people just don't have situational awareness. Mm-hmm. They don't realize that no one wants to hear you talk for 18 minutes. You know, that you should just get off the stage. Like, that never, I don't know if that ever computed in his mind. And you have, you have Al Pacino standing next to you. Be respectful of that man. <laughs> you know, I have make him stand there for, for so long. It was the That's... longest speech in history of, of, of award shows, wasn't it? That's incredible if that's true. That's yeah, incredible. So. Another award. He just earned another award. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, they seem to like my voice, so I may as well let them hear more of it. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Was a good performance, though. So well deserved. Uh, best audio design, recognizing the best in game audio and sound design Alan Wake 2, Dead Space Remake, Hi Fi Rush, Marvel Spider Man 2, Resident Evil 4 Remake. This is tough to, to decide on this kind of stuff, eh? Yeah, again, like sort of further to Matt's question about like, does their likeness in the game affect the uh, the answer? It's like the audio design in Hi-Fi Rush is like inherently different than Spider-Man 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the game is based around audio for Hi-Fi Rush, mm-hmm. whereas like Spider-Man 2, it could be very immersive. It could be very theatrical, you know, but it's it's an in- inherently very different rating system. Yeah. It'd be like if Rock Band was in here. It's like, do we just award all the bands? Like, does the, is the playlist really what what we're looking at? Like, well, sound sound design is different from the music. That's why there's different yeah, best yeah. score and music. Sound design is like all the sound effects that you hear. You know, uh, Baldur's Gate is not on here for audio design. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I would think. Yeah, I mean, got a lot of spells and, and and dragons and. But it's still it's still very like separate like and stuff like you don't have to really balance that very well you know. I suppose. I think it's well. I you know the argument it could be made there for like audio design is just the sheer amount of effort that they went to for audio design. Every single spell that has a verbal component, which is the vast majority of them in the game, they had to record. For all the voice actors, for the main characters, for all like the voices that you can pick for your for your custom character, but then also for all of the the other voice actors too, because you can respec a Starian to be a cleric, and then he mm. can say Ignis. Like they've they've recorded <laughs> that for every voice actor That's for all cool. the dozens and dozens of spells that are in the game. Yeah. So like it's a lot of effort that that takes you know takes a lot of doing, and if they've done it well, then that's audio design, right? Yeah, but. Uh, Best score in music. This is for outstanding music, inclusive of score, original song, and or licensed soundtrack. Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, Final Fantasy 16, Hi-Fi Rush, and The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. 
man, should I be playing Alan Wake 2? Here in Alan Wake 2 a lot here alongside Bowler's Gate 3. I I kind of want to get a lot of the games I'm playing now out of the way so I can go by and and, and play Alan Wake 2. <laughs> Best music though, uh probably Baldur's Gate, right? I only know about Baldur's Gate out of this how's, category, so how's Tears of the Kingdom? Tears of the Kingdom is good. Yeah. It's it's definitely I actually just watched a uh there's a really great YouTube channel called 8 Bit Music Theory where they kind of break down video game music um from a very like in-depth uh um musical perspective and uh, musical composition perspective and the final encounter that is broken up amongst kind of different phases has this sort of overarching like through line musically as well as just like thematically and, and gameplay wise and stuff like that and it's it's all you could you could consider it to be about like that whole final uh, sort of interaction that you do in the game is i would say about an hour long and to keep your player engaged for that amount of time or rather sorry your listener engaged for that amount of time for a musical piece is pretty fucking hard to do and the way that they sort of structure things bringing things back from earlier sections of like the encounter towards like the end rewarding the player with like payoffs after big buildups and stuff or having a big buildup cutting suddenly for dramatic tension and then just having the player like sit in that just as like an example there's one part where the music sort of all swells to a point right before a certain part of of a fight and it does this whole like bum 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 and then it fades to black and then that's when the game like does the little like loading screen symbol (laughs) so then the player's sitting there like <laughs> oh, like just like sitting there waiting. They've had this huge, this huge dramatic lead up in the cutscene and the voice acting and the music all swells, the volume gets louder, and then it's just like they cut it and then they do the load screen. So it's just that extra little bit of no, mm-hmm. you gotta wait before the payoff. And which was really which was really quite a funny uh detail, but also like the blending of dramatics and also like technical necessity for playing a video game. Um but yeah, like the the music in, in Zelda is is very very well done. Um, it's I feel like I would have to sit and listen to every game's soundtrack to compare. Yeah. Um, because I mean, Final Fantasy is known also to have extremely good yeah musical composition in across a lot of their games. Um, like Baldur's Gate's music is good, but. A lot of the time I find that for me, the best music in a game is when it really adds that extra punch to a scene. Makes it a lot more emotional or something like when you've got all the pieces, when you've got the performance nailed, you've got the set pieces, super immersive. When you've got the music really giving you that like emotional tie in, like everything has to be working all together. And then you have one of those moments where you kind of sit back and go like, geez, like I'm invested, man. And I got that from Zelda. I didn't ever get that at any point for Baldur's Gate. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't. The music's good, but it's not. It's not that special. It's like it, it's just good, good fantasy game music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like it's like fantasy tavern music all the time, kind of. 
Uh, all right, let's move along here. Uh, best game direction award for outstanding creative vision and innovation in game direction and design. Alan Wake Two, Baldur's Gate Three, Marvel Spider-Man Two, Super Mario Bros. Wonder, and The Legend of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom. It's funny that Spider-Man is getting nominated when people have said it's too safe. Not a lot of innovation in game direction and design. That, that's fair. That is really fair. Yeah. Um, Baldur's Gate's a tough contender, I would say, because it's. I think again, it's sort of set the standard for for certain kinds of RPGs for a while. Um, but Mario Bros. Wonder is is getting a lot of praise for like. Like Nintendo again, kind of changing up sort of expectations now for 2D platformers and delivering on it very solidly. Someone, mm-hmm. someone described it to me. I've never played it or seen it, but someone described it to me as the Halo 2 orbs, where apparently, like, you can see other people go through the levels or something. Is that is that a, is that true? There's like a Dark Soulsy aspect to it, where you can almost see like the ghosts of other players. And you can okay. like have them. You can like help them or have them help you in certain points and levels. I think I've yet to play it, so I don't have that first person like experience yet. But okay, here's what I'm going to predict: um, Tears of the Kingdom wins best game direction, but uh, Baldur's Gate wins game of the year. Based no. on what? That's just, I feel like that's going to happen. No, no justification. That's just what you well, feel. Happens in the Oscars quite a bit, where the best director is not the is not the director of the the best film of the year. Oh, I see. It's like a first like, and second place almost. It's like oh, it's like you did a good job. Here's best director, but you didn't make the best film. But it's then it's like how did how did the best director make the best film? You know. But there's there's different aspects to it. But is uh, it is it like when there's a tie almost like a tie for first? Is that kind of like almost not a tiebreaker? But it's well, no, because they 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 vote individually. Like like it's not like. You know, groups of people get together and say, "We'll give this to them and that to this." Okay. So, well, because a game and a movie both are, are sums of their parts. You know, yeah. like you, you can yeah. have the best audio, but that doesn't mean you're the best game of the year. You can have the best director, but that doesn't mean it's the best game of the year. Like I just think, that, cause, yeah, because th- there are directors too who are just there to shoot the 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 on set stuff, but they're not the visionary behind the end product. Okay. People people think of like, you know, um like Tarantino when they think director. Someone who writes the the movie, di- directs it and then helps in the edit it and produces a final thing and like they've touched every component of the movie. Right? But but there are directors that just there's direction and say we should point the camera that way and 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 that's it, you know. Um I'm not sure what it is for games, though. I think I think games they sound pretty involved in every aspect. What's interesting here is that it's not saying best game director; mm-hmm. it's saying best best game direction. Right. Yeah. So it's probably not necessarily right because it says specifically for for outstanding creative vision and innovation. If you look at it that way, I think Matt's right. Because Alan Wake 2 is a far cry but critically acclaimed way to follow up to what is now largely a standard adventure game. That's interesting. Because Alan Wake 2, I don't know if it pioneered anything, but I remember Alan Wake 2 being awesome. And then we played it not that long ago and it was still good, but it just felt like any game, like any any adventure game like that again. 
and it was still very good. Like I'm not trying to like shit on it, but it sounds like I haven't played Alan Wake 2, but it sounds like from what I've heard and what I've seen and all the critically uh, high um, ratings is that Alan Wake 2 went in a different direction yeah, and still was like true to the story and didn't just make another Alan Wake for the sake of just being like, oh yeah, whatever you got that flashlight, go around and do stuff. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, like not, it's not yeah. that again. Wait, so sorry. You said you had just replayed Alan Wake not that long ago? Like a few years Before? ago, we did for the channel. Yeah, okay. a yeah. few years ago. You said, you said Alan Wake 2. That's why I was confused. No, yeah. Al- yeah, sorry. Yeah, so we did Alan Wake 1. And then okay. Alan Wake 2, apparently design-wise, not a first-hand account, is uh, a far cry from Alan Wake. Okay. Like Alan Wake 2 is, gotcha. a, big, is a big game direction Step change. Away. Yeah. They've really fleshed out that universe, right? Since in, in the time between, like the well, control, control, I think, yeah. is, is often cited as like, a, a big I mean control is is very stylistic again it's got a real good sense of self the world is very like you're just in this world and you're like passively like I want to know more about this world like this seems really interesting and they're like almost trying to keep the lore like secret but I want to know mm-hmm. I, I feel like the way that they sort of went with control is like kind of leaking into Alan Wake now it's just that that's how that universe just works now <laughs> yeah I find what I find things I enjoy most. I don't know if this is true for everyone, but um, I've just been analyzing why things become good and why people like them a lot. And it definitely does have a lot to do with developing a sense of style. You know, like why is Star Wars so popular? Look, look at the amount of iconic things that came out of that original movie. You know, you have X wings, the Death Star, Darth Vader, lightsabers. You know, old old mystic wizards, you know, Tuscan Raiders, like <laughs> the iconic two Tuscan Raiders. Two sons on, on on Tatooine, the Millennium Falcon. You know what I mean? All this stuff was so iconic from one movie, and it's just like, how do you get that amount of style in one thing? Even the aesthetic of, of what the people wear, the the broken universe, you know, everything is so stylized and it's it just works. And I, that must be very hard to accomplish, though. The yeah, that's, like is, a, that's like a once in a generation thing. Yeah, that's what the stars all align. And yeah, you know. I remember like when we talked to Aaron too about Starfield. This was like the first night it came out. He was like, "I'm probably just going to skip it because it doesn't have a sense of style." Or he's like, "Elder Scrolls is very obviously fantasy styled and it has its world fleshed out and everything." And he's mm-hmm. like, "Starfield is just us in fifty to hundred years." Yeah, airlocks. Everything's utilitarian. Food is in Ziploc bags. You know, basically, you're flying ships. You're experiencing G's and, you know, you're yeah. grab jumping around. It's just like us with better tech. Yeah. yeah. Whereas, like, follow back and experience some G's for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can't wait to go experience some G's. <laughs> All right. And then finally, game of the year, recognizing a game that delivers the absolute best experience across all creative and technical fields. Absolute, you say? Your nominees are Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, Chalker, Marvel's Spider-Man 2, Resident Evil 4 Remake, Chalker. Super Mario Bros. Wonder, and The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. That remake feels weird. I don't want to like discount it, but like that just remake having Resident Evil 4 up again, like after all these years for awards in general, just feels weird to me. Can it be game of the year if it's just I remade like another game that was made a long time ago? That's a good question. Like, 
I mean, movies, it, movies are remade and then come up for Oscars. All right. The Star is Born has been made like three or four times. Has a remake ever won it? One one best motion picture. Yeah. All Quiet on the Western. No, that didn't win. Never mind. The the first one won. I was gonna say All Quiet on the Western Front. Wait, wait. The, which, which first one? Like the first one, like the like the black and white one, or the one with John Boy? The black and white one. The one we watched. That okay. one. That's why we watched it. Won the Oscar. Um. Is there a remake? There, 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 there I think there probably is. It, it, did the one with John Boy win? No. The one with John Boy did not win. Okay, I don't think anyone cared about that one, Matt. Oh, okay. Sorry, just, just your history class. <laughs> yeah, quite literally. Uh, yeah. <laughs> on VHS too, probably. But but the new one was nominated, but it didn't win. And that was just last year. Okay. Well, I think it's going to be Baldur's Gate. Yeah, <laughs> it will be Baldur's Gate. I Here's bet a-, a panzo on it. Ugh, no, because I'm going to bet with you. Tim, you're yeah. betting against us, and you're going to have to lose, buddy. Sorry. I I think there's a case to be made that Tears of the Kingdom wins. Mm. Like, I, I would probably vote for Baldur's Gate because I keep going back to Baldur's Gate. And I don't keep going back to Tears of the Kingdom. But I think there's, there's a case to be made. It is... You could say again that it's like Spider-Man and that it's like a little too similar to Breath of the Wild. Um, but I mean the sheer amount of content in that in that game is wild. They basically like you know that tripled, but at least doubled the amount of like playable space in Tears of the Kingdom from Breath of the Wild, adding the sky and then also the underground on top of just the same game world from Breath of the Wild. So you have that familiarity for players to go back and like, oh, how did this place change? How did that place change? And everywhere has been tweaked like a little bit. Just like so many more puzzles to solve in Tears of the Kingdom than in Breath of the Wild. All of the like new lore mysteries to uncover and stuff just from the way that the world is is presented and like what has information, what doesn't, what's to be speculated on, all the characters that you can interact with. Like it's a very... I, I view that kind of that game as like a checklist game, you know, like there's not there's not a lot of things in that game that you have to achieve to beat it, but there's so much like I would say like 90% of that game is optional. Like you can just go and do like the main story if you want to, but like along the way you're going to come across things that are like just convenient to do them because they're right there and the rewards are typically good that like you may as well just do them and you'll end up playing more of that game than than you think you will I think in like a typical playthrough or than you thought you might um but it is it is one of those games where you can like there, there there's something to appreciate in every corner of uh, of Tears of the Kingdom and I was so hyped for that game when it came out like I wasn't as hyped I will say for for Baldur's Gate but that might just be like a personal thing because I'm a very big Zelda fan um but you know funnily enough I've ended up playing Baldur's Gate so much more so it's hard to say, but I think there is a there is a case to be made for Tears of the Kingdom. Like I said, like the ending, Baldur's Gate three, really really good. Depending on what sort of ending you go with, I would say some are more satisfying than others. But Tears of the Kingdom, I mean, that especially riding on the coattails of of Breath of the Wild and how disappointing the ending of Breath of the Wild is. Oh, Tears of the Kingdom, like just blew it out of the fucking water. 
Like it is it is possibly one of the best endings for a game that I have played in really a decade at least. It's it's so hard not to get caught up in the end of that game. It's Wish really I could good. play it. Do it. <laughs> Just do it. You know what's sad here is that Resident Evil 4 remake is there not to discount that game but then Starfield isn't and Starfield was such this big gaming event it felt like this year this is, is this just unfortunate when Fallout 76 came out was it nominated for game of the year at all Fallout I don't 76? think so I doubt it, I, don't, yeah. I doubt it yeah yeah so this is not the first time that a Bethesda game has come out and not been nominated for game of the year I will say that Starfield is a much, 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 much better game than 76 was when it launched. 76 was a buggy, un- uninspired mess, to be fair. And I played the absolute fuck out of it. <laughs> I'm just I'm just wondering, because like Fallout 3 probably was dominated for game of the year that year. I think so. Yeah. Fallout 4, maybe. Skyrim definitely was, obviously. I think it Skyrim was definitely was, yeah. Um, Fallout 4, I think, struggled a bit, too. Oblivion, you think you're right. Oblivion. I remember Fallout 4 not being as like well received as Skyrim. Yeah. Um fuck, I love yeah. Fallout 4 though. Holy fuck. It's all right. It's pretty good. I think you have to like building a lot. Because I like to be like, oh man, I could just build a little village here. It's another checklist game. It's just like endless checklists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only reason I think it won't be Legend of Zelda or Tears of the Kingdom is just because uh, the one complaint I did hear about it was that it was kind of similar to the first game in this sense. And so I think that just the novelty isn't there. Even though Baldur's Gate 3 is a third game in, in the franchise, it's so much different than the first two games. It's also been 20 years. Like, I feel like of the vast majority of the player base, like there, there is going to be a 5% of the player base, maybe of people playing Baldur's Gate three that actually played the other Baldur's Gate games. It'd be old men now. Yeah, it was twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. Like, it's been a long time. But it's probably going to be be between those two games. I that would be that would be my guess. It's going to come down to between Baldur's Gate and Zelda. Like, it'd be insane if like Resident Evil four won. <laughs> Not to say it's bad, it's just I, I would be so shocked. You the know. competition is way too way too yeah. fierce for Resident Evil to win. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll find out on December 7th. And uh, I didn't record our, our predictions or anything like that, but uh, we'll, we'll still get pansies anyway. How about that? Everybody wins. Everyone yeah. wins it. <laughs> Every listener gets a panzo. All right. I'm uh, dropping nope. the second story from the show. It's getting oh, late. Okay. Uh, what we're playing, Matt, what are you playing? Uh, I am actually playing Starfield a whole bunch. Wow. Uh, I'm finally getting into it. I'm finally getting uh, into the, the factions. I know where things are. I started uh, building ships. I have goals now, and I'm starting to like work toward making money and uh, all that stuff in my new playthrough. What I ended up doing was I rushed the story. So there's kind of like a truncated story if you quote-unquote skip the story. So I rushed the story to get to the end so that you can effectively at that point, and this is spoiler free, this is just mechanic talking, you can then choose whatever companion you want from the story at that point. So I chose a companion because I it was really annoying to only have one inventory worth of stuff. So I chose a companion, loaded my ship up with a couple of people, um, and then just took off and started doing missions. So um, 
I'm doing the game, just going through, doing whatever. Um, I have, I'm not banning myself from looking stuff up. I'm just playing it like I used to play, like when I was a kid, a Bethesda game. And it's a lot better that way. Uh, I think you said that, Ryan, is if you just do the quests, like it just feels like a Bethesda game. And that's exactly what it feels like. Uh, I did have a quest yesterday. Holy crap. To um, <laughs> to survey a planet. Oh, my God. I can't even believe that they like surveying a planet in that game is so unbelievably uninspired and fucking boring. I can't even believe that it's in the fucking game. Like when they did it and they did it one time, like if they themselves went to a planet that had a lot of fauna, a lot of features <laughs> and a lot of flora and all a lot of fucking resources like I'm. I can't over, I, I can't even believe, and I'm serious that they, that the, the surveying system A exists and B exists the way it is. If I find like a dinosaur, like a long neck dinosaur ripping around the woods and I run over there and I'm like, holy shit. And I run over and I, I do a little scan on it and it's a rare creature. I get 18% or whatever of it scanned. So I scan that whole creature. I can't scan it again. I have to go find another one and another one and another one until it hits 100%. And I had this problem where I went out into the mountains. So like some stuff it'll tell but luckily it'll tell you, be like, Hey, you're done in this biome. So I went into the mountains. It says the biome, the mountain biome is incomplete. And I could not find out what friggin' uh, flora it wanted me to find. And it ended up being this like really low cut bush of like mountain berries. And I could only find them at these life sign things, which were the features of the planet, which I already scanned. So I kept going to these things that were a kilometer and a half apart on average. And I was ripping around and everywhere I went, I looked for these bushes and I couldn't find them. After about 30 minutes, I eventually find a valley with they're all in there. And when I did that, I was thinking to myself, who like who <laughs> thought this mechanic was good? If I scan one of these bushes, that should be it. If I scan one of the long neck dinosaurs, that should be it. Why am I running around in the in a procedurally generated, completely, as far as I know, procedurally generated world, looking for low cut bushes in the mountains? Because a sample of one is not science. I thank you, but running around <laughs> on a planet for two hours, two hours, that's how long it took me. And I'm like, okay, and I'm like leveling up and stuff because you know, these bastards are attacking me and there's like fucking random ass shit running around. And I get the idea is supposed to be like, oh, you know, procedurally generated points of interest appear and then you do those. But the worst part of Starfield is going through those procedurally generated areas. The worst part, the worst way to interact with that with the procedurally generated areas is to survey a planet, especially a very busy planet like one that supports life. And the worst thing in that game is, oh, it's it's on this science facility, but you can't land at it, land kind of near it, and then scan around and then run or like fly there. It's like, holy fuck, like why don't they give me a Jeep? If I had a Jeep, at least I'd be having fun jumping off of sand dunes and crap. But the parts of that game that are good are good. Um, I'm enjoying the cities. I'm enjoying the, the quests. I'm I'm doing a little bit of political espionage right now, which is cool. I'm enjoying my time doing that. So that's what I'm doing now. And like I said, I'm not banning myself from looking things up. I'm just, if I don't know what the, what the hell I'm going or don't know what the heck I'm doing, I'll just look it up. So that is where I'm at there. I also ditched all the starter gear that it gives you. Uh, and there's a lower reason why I did not want to ditch it all. And I'll, so I'll make, keep it ambiguous, but I eventually ditched it because I kept getting friggin' killed. The ship sucked and so did the <laughs> armor. So legendary armor, legendary ship, my ass is all I got to say. Looks cool, but good Lord. Um, 
typical oh, but Bethesda, it's legendary though. though. Yeah, it friggin' there, sucked though. There are legends about how about how cool it is. Those legends are incorrect. I was getting killed. I was getting murdered left, right, and center. It was a disaster. Um, but other than other than uh, Starfield, which I'm now starting to like and actually do want to continue playing, uh, I started. Uh, I did a little bit of uh, War Thunder as well. Did a few sessions of War Thunder. We're getting pretty high ranked in that to the point where we started doing the plane combat. The plane combat in that game is fucking wild. Like you can someone can like shoot your engine and then your oil can start leaking out. And if someone's behind you, like your oil leaks onto their, their vision. So they can't see. And it'll tell you like, Hey, your engine temp is increasing because your oil is leaking. And eventually your engine will just seize up. And so then you can just glide around, but it'll like eventually start losing airspeed. So you can like dive and then come back up and like, kind of like do the glide thing. And it's pretty crazy. And I'm doing the arcade battles because um, the realistic is crazy. Like your pilot can pass out due to excessive G's and stuff. And it's just like, that's a bit too much for me. But <laughs> um, that game's a lot of fun. Like War Thunder, uh, if you ever care about ship combat or tank combat, realistic or um, uh, plane combat in any with any sort of realism, that's a that's a good game and it's free. That's a really, really fun one. Um, but other than that, I think that is it. And I think next week or the week after, I'm going to start my PSP project, which I mentioned a few weeks ago. I got a few games lined up. I found I dug out a few of my old games. I actually found a sealed copy of Secret Agent Clank and uh, Daxter. So I'm going to uh, start the PSP project, I think. And that's been my week. Tim? I... Um actually started playing vampire survivors again hey. and it's been it's been pretty fun again speaking of the uh the steam deck um i've been spending probably 20 to 45 minutes most nights the last week or two doing doing a round or two in uh in vampire survivors trying to unlock more achievements and stuff like that I'm probably gonna end up buying the dlc packs that are available for it because they're pretty cheap and uh that's just a game that really is quite unexpectedly addicting even to the point where I, I think I mentioned before on the on the podcast that I'm tempted to delete my my progress on my unlocks and stuff just to do it all again, just to have that sense of progression over again because it's been uh, it was very fun to kind of unlock everything. But um, that um, just still we're coming very close to the end of the uh, of the co-op playthrough. Uh, myself and uh, Kayla for Baldur's Gate. And uh, there's just a couple more like major things to do, and then we'll do the final sort of uh, uh, encounter towards the end. And um, after that, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. But you're going to survey a planet, is what you're going to do. Survey a planet. (laughs) uh, And then on stream, I've started playing this week. uh, Like a dragon, Gaiden, the man who erased his name. Hell yeah! Is uh, I mean, it's it's reviewing very well it's getting very good critics uh critic scores it's uh again like your classic yakuza series i guess now going going forward like a dragon series uh gripping main story narrative with completely wacky side objectives and things to do um it's another entry in their dragon engine uh that they've made since the kiwami games and uh, the judgment games and I think also like a dragon seven, also known as like Yakuza, like a dragon in the West. Um, and uh, the uh, combat again, very, very crunchy, very uh, satisfying, 
heat move finisher combos and you know a good depth of uh of abilities and you get like sort of like your secret agent gadgets that are in this game that are kind of wacky and and silly and unrealistic i just did a sub story in that game today where <laughs> a guy is taking dating advice from uh not chat gpt uh from chat ddt and uh it just sort of goes off the rails because he's just doing whatever it says and that's uh <laughs> It's pretty good. It's like it's probably the first time in a in a Yakuza game where I've gotten to see like immediate like social commentary, like very like still relevant commentary and like a sub story <laughs> while it's still like kind of happening in real life, which is funny. Um, so that was that was I was not expecting that. Uh, that was an interesting side story to do. The one thing that I have noticed with this game, I don't know if it was like it's because in so many respects of the game it seems so polished like the combat and everything is all polished they're all building off of the foundation of previous games obviously but i don't know if it's like if it was rushed compared to other games or if maybe they had like a smaller team working on this because they have their other main team working on like a dragon infinite wealth right now coming out next year but um i have noticed a ton of typos in the subtitles so many of them like every session at least like two or three in in variety too like in in the conversations you have with random npcs in conversations with uh main npcs and like main story conversations and i've even seen them in uh in the subtitles of of main story cutscenes. there there are so many typos and i think the last time that i played a game like a yakuza game on stream was maybe like kiwami 2 maybe some years ago and i think in the entire game i noticed maybe like two maybe three typos and like to be fair there's like the game gets made in japanese and then they have a localization team to translate it to english so obviously like translating japanese to english is not always a one-to-one you have to um you have to have somebody who like knows uh japanese and english and sort of what they were trying to communicate with this particular like sentence and how to make something similar to that in English. And uh, normally the localization team does a really, really good job. And oftentimes the jokes land better in English than they did in the Japanese version of that same interaction. Um, but I don't know what happened with this game, but I've noticed so many typos or or like spelling mistakes or omissions of words that should have been there. Um, oh, so it's it's a little jarring, especially when I'm like doing a lot of reading because I'm, you know, playing it on stream and stuff and and um, reading back a lot of what the characters are saying. So it's uh, that's that's the only thing, though. That's like literally my only complaint for the game. It's it's more of what we've come to love with the series. Um, it gets a full recommend from me. If you've played the other Yakuza games, it's uh, it's really good. It fleshes out more of the story for Kiryu between the events of like um Yakuza six and seven and sort of what he where he's at now. Um and there's lots of like flashbacks. Like there's there's almost like a little bit of fan service in the game because it keeps like a lot of the side stories that I've come across will reintroduce characters that were in like Yakuza Zero or the Kiwami games or like Yakuza Four. And then there'll be like a little flashback cutscene where Kira will be like, wait, how does this person remember me? It's that this was like 23 years ago. And also he's like <laughs> He's not Kiryu, right? He's supposed to have like erased his name. The name like Kiryu Kazuma is supposed to be like gone to legend, like he's dead. He's 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 disappeared. Um 
So minor spoilers for those that have played the Yakuza games, but uh, he's not dead. And uh, he's operating under a different group now uh, under a code name, uh, Joryu, not Kiryu, which is very much the vibes of like, like, okay, you can copy my homework, just change up some answers so it doesn't look like you copied. And he's like, so what's your name? Kiryu, uh, um, uh, uh, Joryu, not Kiryu, Joryu. Um, but like anyway. Frank, like Frank West and Hank East. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, anyway, but despite that, I mean, like I said, it's it's reviewing very well critically. Uh, it's a very solid entry into the series. Definitely pick it up. Um, I'm really enjoying it. But that's pretty much it. Uh, for me, I am finally in Act Three of Baldur's Gate Three. I hear it's a big one though. I'm surprised you got there. Like, like this is this is your save? No, this is me and Aaron. Oh, okay. okay. My 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 solo save is kind of abandoned. Is it an Act One? Uh, yeah, yeah. Damn, still back in Act One. Um, so I'm I'm gonna try to finish it before the seventh, but I gotta I gotta start playing more with Aaron. Um, I've also been playing Spider Man Two on my own. Also, I want to get that done before December seventh. Wait, what's December seventh? The Game Awards. I just want to get them out of the way before the Game oh, Awards. Okay. Uh, and then foolishly today I purchased um, uh, Assassin's Creed Mirage because it was on sale. I remember I bought I bought the collector's edition, but it came with a disc, not a code. So I, I'll just I be borrowing it. your copy if I want to play that. Just like you offered, you like you can you, just borrow my can, disc, Matt. Like that's you can borrow it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, may as well. Um, <laughs> Uh, I took the di- I took the codes though the 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 add-on codes so I took all that oh, stuff. That's, that's fine. <laughs> um, so that's downloaded. I don't know when I'm gonna play it. Um, so and then Starfield still on the on the way back burner. It's real far back there. <laughs> You're trying to convince Adriano to play Remnant Two, and I and I I was in that chat being like, we got we got no, too many games. There's yeah. like seven things like. If I had like a fucking whiteboard, it'd be completely covered in ink. Yeah, no, this they all need to wait. Yeah, I got Remnant installed too. I'm down. <laughs> oh my god, no, it's too many. It's too many games. Yeah. Uh, other than that, that's about it. Yeah. Did you just like look off like at a cat or something? You just like looked off. Oh, I wish I had a cat right here. Oh, it'd be so good. Let's start sneezing right away digitally. Yeah. All right, um, Tim, where can people see you streaming? Yeah, if you're down for more like a dragon action, you want if you're if you're feeling nostalgic for the old pocket circuit games that were in the the Echoes of Zero in Kiwami, guess what? They're back. Park pocket circuit racing is in like a dragon guided, <laughs> and uh, I thought that there was going to be like a cabaret management mini game again, but I have yet to see anything like that. I don't know. They they keep hinting at like you being able to do different management things in like different sub stories, and I keep going. Is this going to be the management thing? Is this going to be it? I don't know. But uh, I haven't seen many. Like I wasn't following trailers or announcement stuff, anything like that, any gameplay showcases. So I don't know all the features that are in this game. I'm a little bit going in blind. So uh, it's been an absolute blast, though. If you're a fan of the series and you want to see more of it, Twitch.tv/slash the sidetrack. 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time usually until whenever. And then uh, sometimes we even do multiplayer stuff in the evenings on Wednesday nights on twitch.tv slash day one patch media, all one word. 
spelled out with letters, not number ones, O-N-E. Ryan, what are we playing? Uh, Baldur's Gate, I guess. Baldur's <laughs> Gate. In Act 1. The gates are over no, in Act 2. Yeah, I know. I'm just bugging you because you said you're, you were saying the, that you were you were sick of Act 1. We're near the end-ish of Act 2, right? Are we? Kinda-ish. No, no we're, at the, we're at the, the point of no return in Act 2. We, we could have left Act 2. No, no, that's not that's not the end of Act 2. I, if I remember correctly, it is the point of no return within Act 2. You're oh, correct. but there's a, little, there's a little business in between. Yeah, I don't count that, though. Well, it's not Act 3. That ain't Act 3, and also, like, little business in Baldur's Gate. Just about, just about nine sessions. Yeah. <laughs> not a big deal. Just, just, about nine just hours, a, yeah. Yeah, just, just a quick nine where, hours where, there. Where dramatic story things happen, yeah. 170 hours of cutscenes in that game. <laughs> oh, what is my hard drive going to do in Baldur's Gate? Don't use a hard drive. It's not going to work. Like, Actually, I'm in Baldur's Gate on this computer, 12-year-old computer, on a hard drive. It runs at... 12 FPS, but it does work. And that's well, how I play Maybe it. you'll have your new PC fully built by the time we get there. <laughs> Actually, maybe. maybe, yeah. It's yeah. I'm probably probably one day I'm just gonna wake up and be like, I don't want to think about this again and just yeah. buy all the rest of the components. That's yeah. probably what's gonna end up happening. Uh but Mac Mondays is was foiled again. Uh and I might have to move <laughs> it from Mondays. I, for for some reason I do stuff on Mondays, and so I'm either having technical issues or I'm not around. Because like this Monday, I can't do it. And so maybe it, maybe it needs to be Mac Tuesdays or something. <laughs> Mac Mondays is back. By the way, I can't do it this Monday. So uh, yeah. So that's still on hiatus. I, I'm so disappointed. Um, why don't you just why don't you just do a stream in a week? Like every week, you just schedule one. Just a random date. Yeah, like that. Just to get the momentum going, you can Mac call it Mac Mondays. Mondays. Mac Mondays. It is Thursday at two p.m. Yeah. yeah, like try to do it on Monday. If you can't, then just like force yourself to schedule one at yeah. some point. Yeah, yeah. And I All tried right. to. I got the notification for Mac Mondays this week, and I was like, "Oh, sweet!" That was like only a couple minutes ago. Loaded it up, stream wasn't on, and I was like, "Damn!" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Peace. Don't forget to rate.